Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today, we're talking about the coronavirus that's making headlines all over the world. We're going to take a little bit of a departure from real estate today. Many people are out there thinking that it's an overreaction. And on today's show, we're going to talk about the major factors that you need to consider during this unprecedented moment in history. There's no question that the disease and the threat of the disease are having a major economic impact. Events have been canceled all over the world. Quarantines and large-scale lockdowns are underway in a number of areas. Employers have asked people to work from home, and healthcare workers are sharing some harrowing tales. My good friends Chris Martinson and Adam Taggart at Peak Prosperity have been doing a bang-up job disseminating information about the spread of the disease. And on today's show, we're going to break down the three major conflicting factors that individuals, governments, and communities alike need to balance. Number one, the need to confine the spread of the disease. Number two, to keep the economy and society running as smoothly as possible. And number three, to protect the healthcare system from being overwhelmed. We're going to go into each of these areas one by one. I've seen many statements on television and the internet, including from doctors, that this isn't much different than the influenza. All of these quarantines are an overreaction. Let's look at the numbers for the coronavirus and see if we agree. The influenza does kill a number of people each year. It's usually in the range of about 0.1% of cases result in death. That's one in a thousand. And these are heavily skewed towards older people with other health issues and compromised immune systems. If we look at the current data from the outbreak in Italy, there's a total of 7,375 cases known to have been infected as of Sunday, March the 8th, an increase of almost 1,500 compared with the day before. So far, the disease has claimed the lives of 366 people in Italy. There were 622 deemed to have recovered and 650 who remain in hospital in serious or critical condition. About 61% of the cases in Italy are actually hospitalized. So if you want to measure the case fatality rate, you would divide the number of deaths by the number of cases where you know the outcome. They either got better or they didn't. You can't include the number of new cases where people just tested positive because you don't know the outcome yet. You only know the case fatality rate retrospectively. The World Health Organization is estimating the case fatality rate at about 3.4%. Frankly, I don't see how they get that number. If you accept the WHO number then the case fatality rate is about 34 times higher than the annual influenza outbreaks. But if you look at the actual numbers you get from China, you get a different picture. Their case fatality rate is running at about 5%. And if you look at the numbers from Italy, you get a very different picture again. We'll do the math here. Let's take the total number of fatalities at 366 and divide that total number of cases where we know the outcome. So you put in 366, that's the folks who died, plus 622, those are the folks who got better, in the denominator. And when you put all that together, it gives you a case fatality rate of 37%. That's a huge number. It's possible that number will come down in the future, but we don't know the outcome of the newly reported cases, so it's too soon to include those new infections in the statistics. Yesterday, the case fatality rate stood at a much lower number at 27%, but still, that's a big number. And it's clear that governments and health authorities are trying not to create panic in the population, and I get that. I'm not accusing them of downplaying the numbers, but depending on how you look at the math, you can easily see a huge problem. That's why the Italian government, who have a pretty strong healthcare system, 
just put a major set of movement restrictions on 16 million people in Italy. They clearly want to limit the spread of the virus. In a conversation that I had with my cousin in Milan today, he relayed to me that hours before the announcement was made, a leaked version of the press release made it into the public and tens of thousands of people fled the Milan area for the south on trains and automobiles. It's possible the efforts to contain the outbreak were undermined by that lapse. Let's move on to number two, the need to keep the economy going. If the entire economy came to a standstill and you couldn't get food into the grocery stores, you would start to see mass famine, social unrest, anarchy, and the impact of that could be in fact worse than the coronavirus. So you clearly need to keep the economy going. That's important. And number three, protecting the healthcare system. If the hospitals become overwhelmed, then you end up with healthcare workers coming down with the disease. They get taken off the job and now you're dealing with major staff shortages and you also lose beds that would otherwise be needed for numerous other ailments. On an average day, the majority of beds are already occupied. Some reports that I read suggest two-thirds of beds are full with your run-of-the-mill heart attacks, strokes, cancer, infections, all very serious and need to be treated. That leaves about a third of the capacity for something new like COVID-19. And if the hospitals become overwhelmed, then the other demands on the healthcare system don't get their needs met. You'll see deaths rising from perfectly treatable conditions that can't get their services because the hospitals have been overrun. It's a difficult balancing act that governments have to orchestrate. And I predict you'll see an increasing amount of triage taking place. In a triage environment, you're only handling the most severe cases up to your capacity. Everything else gets pushed to the back of the queue. We're already seeing the healthcare system in several countries being overwhelmed. The National Institute of Health in the UK, for example, has reported that they only have the capacity to handle 28 cases requiring negative air pressure isolation in the entire country. And folks, I want you to take this seriously. Make sure you've got a plan for your family that includes the possibility you might be in a lockdown situation for 30 days or more. This is not the flu. So you think about that. Go get some groceries. Make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.